welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletaub from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from the Boston area is Gail O'Brien. Gail is an executive coach and columnist for Business Ethics Magazine and The Week in Ethics. Uh, Gail, first, thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you today, Adam. Uh, our pleasure having you. So we're going to talk today about someone I hadn't heard of until I read something you wrote. You're you're a big admirer of the work of Sigal Barsade, who uh, researched the impact of emotions in the workplace. Um, I imagine her research is incredibly important now with people so stressed and, and nerves so raw. Um, now, many at the start of the pandemic had encouraged digging deep into empathy was that the right approach according to her work well i think what's important about sigal barsade's work and research was that she had a constant focus on how leaders and future leaders can get culture right which is especially important now and empathy that was encouraged at the beginning did not necessarily help get culture right i think that there's a more enduring approach, which is compassion, which can make a greater impact on individuals and impact the culture. Compassion moves caring to an action step that helps employees feel a boss or coworker has their back. In line with Barsade's research, she found that employees who feel love at work perform better. She was talking about companionate love the impact of compassion, emotions like caring, kindness, feeling connected, that influence how people feel at work and how they perform. And that is stronger than empathy. Interesting. And, you know, I think back as you were saying, people want to feel loved at work. A compliance officer who years ago observed that a lot of helpline calls are just my, as he, as he described it, my boss doesn't love me anymore. And, um, you know, how disturbing that can be for people feeling as if they're not cared for. Now, she's an advocate for what she calls emotional culture. What does that mean exactly? Emotional culture is the set of emotions necessary for a group to meet its goals. That's Barsade's explanation. While emotional culture has always been part of corporate culture, right alongside cognitive culture, Barsade found that it's often ignored by leaders. Their focus is cognitive culture, how employees think and behave. I love this subject, so I'm going to confine myself to just three points. Barsade advocated that leaders balance cognitive and emotional culture, giving equal attention to the feelings that people have and express at work, because those can determine business outcomes like greater productivity, or signs of a toxic culture. While cognitive culture is usually transmitted verbally, emotional culture is transmitted through facial expressions and body language. And this is where leaders' behavior becomes so very important. Emotional expressions and attitudes influence others through something she calls emotional contagion. We can catch somebody's negativity or positivity and spread it to someone else, which is why leaders' attitudes, body language, expressions can have a positive or a negative impact on others. Their behavior, according to Barside, is a key tool 
in changing emotional culture. And, you know, one of the things that I think is probably a challenge for this time, given that we're all on Zoom, is that it's harder to see the body language. You know, you've, you've lost one of the cues. Now, given that and, and what you've said before, how can organizations determine what their emotional culture is and, and shape it to what they want it to be? Organizations can have more than one emotional culture, and that can be in the whole company or in several different departments. Managers can see and determine which ones they need to focus on to meet their strategic goals. But you do have not just one thing to, to be sensitive to, you could have potentially several things that, that are happening. Barside, ever the teacher and consultant, outlines five steps to identifying and measuring emotional culture, which all bottom line. The first is that executives verbalize, model, and reward the emotions that they want cultivated in the company. Then managers and frontline supervisors communicate to their direct reports those desired emotions, again, by verbalizing, modeling, and rewarding. She follows up with a survey that asks employees to indicate what emotions they see expressed by the colleagues around them. And they also use on-site observations of emotional culture and interviews to get more additional information. If the results indicate widespread negative emotions, then leaders address it, obviously, but then continue modeling and continue modeling again the positive emotions they want to spread until those emotions are part of the culture. Well, it's good to see practice what you preach uh, applies here as well. Now, a lot of her work runs counter to our beliefs where being professional traditionally has meant being somewhat cold and emotionless. Is it time to rewrite the definition of professional? It's a great question. When a company acknowledges its emotional culture, I think it will invite in more human side of how professionalism shows up. Leaders verbalizing and modeling emotions that they want the company to cultivate can also expand professionalism. Barsaid described in Balancing Emotional and Cognitive Culture, an article of hers, that when business leaders ignore emotional culture, they overlook a fundamental part of being human and therefore stunt the potential of their company. That's a really serious omission. So it's a challenge that companies will continually deal with unless the more human gets permeated throughout the organization. And that obviously will impact professionalism. It certainly sounds like it. Now, we're having this discussion at a time when worker ties to the workplace are probably the weakest they've been in decades, if, if, if ever. Is this the cure or is that an overreach? Well, Barstead wasn't imagining a utopia. She described what her research kept making clear. In cultures where compassion, kindness, and caring dominated, and that's categorized as companionate love, the results were higher job satisfaction, accountability, and greater productivity, among many other 
benefits. The opposite spectrum is what we're seeing this year about the rise of toxic culture and its impact. A study at MIT Sloan Management Review that indicated employees are 10.4 times more likely to leave a company because of a toxic culture than compensation is a pretty serious indictment. Also, the Pew Center for Research indicated that their research had feeling disrespected as the top, one of the top three reasons for leaving a job in 2021. So Sigal Barsight has given companies an enormous amount of information on how to get culture right. It's really time we used it. Well, it sounds like it. I mean, and, and you talk about a, a 10 to one investment, as you mentioned here, and in, in, by having a popular emotional culture, certainly sounds like it's an investment well worth doing. Well, Gail, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us and, and exposing me to this uh, researcher's work. I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs>